You're listening to Multi-New Media for the week of September 7, 2015. This is episode 17, and the episode is titled, Ashley Madison is best on Windows 10. Chase Raz and Chris Ayers will be discussing security-related topics in today's episode. there everyone i'm chase raz and this as you just heard is episode 17 of multi new media by the time you see this episode appear in our episode feed we'll be almost all caught up with our backlog and preparing for issuing new topical episodes on a weekly basis we truly are gearing up this thing known as multi new media into something quite amazing that serves all of us in technology, business, media, marketing, science, and education, and I hope that you're feeling the excitement just like we are. Today's episode is all about security, data breaches, inside jobs, a recap of the whole Ashley Madison affair, every pun intended, and then we'll get right to work on dispelling the myth that Windows 10 is nefariously snooping on us all. So sit back and relax, folks. We've got one amazing episode for you. Let's kick it off by starting with one of our tried and true segments, In the News. This is In the News. High-profile stories from business, technology, science, and media. We will look at what has happened recently, as well as what we expect to happen in the near future. All right, Chris Ayers, how are you? I'm doing good, Chase. How are you doing? I'm good. Let's start today with an end the new segment. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right, so first up on our in the news segment, I have something for you. We have seven companies, Amazon, Cisco, Google, Intel, Microsoft, Mozilla, and Netflix. If I said those seven in alphabetical order, what do they mean to you? I'm assuming, well, are they the top 10 tech companies on the stock market or or the top seven companies on the stock market? Nope. These seven have come together to create the Alliance for Open Media, and you can see that site at aomedia.org. They're looking to create a next-generation media format for video, and I guess audio as well, that's open, scalable, and yada, 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 yada. Apparently, they're not happy with the H.265 update to H.264. They don't like that it can't be used in an open-source project and that it's not open at all and not really scalable and hardware-dependent. So, Amazon, Cisco, Google, Intel, Microsoft, Mozilla, and Netflix are taking it upon themselves to say, eh, we'll take care of it. Uh, that sounds like something that's been a long time coming. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of Og Vorbis. Yep. Uh, you know, I never adopted it, but man, it's <laughs> it's served its purpose. Well, it was actually, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, embedded inside Chrome by, by some of the Google projects used for some of their audio encoding. Yeah, Chrome the, was a very early adopter of it. The problem with like MP3 and an MPEG-4 was the fact that you had to license the compression. 
you know, you know, you had to like the the um, MPEG two was on DVDs. It was it was a licensed compression tech and cable. MP- That's what cable uses as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah MP three uh, is licensed. So that if you want to create MP threes, you usually have to use software that has a license from uh, was it the Faunhauser or something like that company. Uh, MPEG four. There's definitely a, a working group, but the, there's like. Uh, some tech inside of it, the, I think the compression that you have to license if you want to do stuff. So, I mean, VLC and some of the other little players get around it by being open source and, and I think black boxing some of it. Uh, but yeah, they, they've, there's been an outcry for this for a long time. And especially a lot of those companies are web based. They want HTML to have open uh, video algorithms and video codecs so that anybody who implements HTML5 can implement a video codec without having to pay a licensing fee. And now that means Netflix can encode their stuff that way. Uh, Chrome and Mozilla, you know, can can make their browsers without having to pay licensing fees. Yeah, and you know, Intel and Cisco, I, I now see why they're saying they want it to be hardware uh, sort of agnostic. They're looking at patching this in, into hardware as well. And I was going to ask you, if this is just a modern form of WebM, but then again, I'm looking at the WebM no. site at webmproject.org, and they have now joined the Alliance for Open Media. It, it might be an evolution of it. Um, another thing, Intel, you know their newest generation of processors has hardware um, support for H.264 and H.265. Right. Their newest processors, they were showing, um, I think, like a little convertible tablet doing four 4K videos at 30 frames a second simultaneously with only like 20% CPU usage because they had custom you know, circuitry in the, in the processor just to decode video streams. But they probably had to pay a licensing fee to implement the algorithm. Yeah, so, I mean, hopefully this turns into something. Yeah. Um, next, next item on the list here, Apple's September event. Dun, dun, dun. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people are keeping an eye on that um, on the Apple side of the world. I, I know you probably don't care much except for the fact that it's news. I'm waiting to see if the iPhone 6C or S or whatever the hell they're going to call it, 6S, right? Um, if that has the same thing going on that the 6 did, if everybody's going to whine and moan about it, but then they end up gobbling it up and um, buying it in mass. So there's a bunch of speculation about things that might be coming out. I think there's talk about a, a large iPad, the iPad Pro, the like iPad a 12. Pro to try to compete with that Surface? Well, um, yeah, I mean, and to hold full-size pieces of paper, essentially, like full images. Right. Um, I think there's talk about the new Apple TV, which is supposed to be like bigger and have memory and stuff storage in a new remote I, I really don't know a lot of details um i think there's going to be a new ipad mini maybe or a new ipad well we're also Rig- hearing uh, some new max that we'll see new ios updates and uh, X el capitan well os 10 has been in beta they've had two or three releases probably preparing for the launch of the new devices ios 9 has been had you're, a couple of like betas you're, you're talking the two or three most recent on top of the about eight betas they've released for El Capitan, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, it, they always do this when they ramp up to new devices. iOS 9, like with previous iOSs, when a new device family or a new upgrade comes out, 
they have support for it in the betas and as soon as the new os releases they'll probably drop one off the tail end probably stop supporting the 5 5s or probably the 5 so i have a question that's not related here but why did apple switch from naming things after cats to now drunken pirates maverick el capitan what what's going on here what is this theme that i'm apparently missing is it a mountain range i i, I don't know because oh, is they it? had for what ten versions, it was named after cats. I yeah. think. Oh, maybe that's. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't know my mountain name, so apparently I'm just ignorant on that. No, I don't know. Um, anyway, I, I think it's pretty neat. I think it's going to um, bring some of the windowing function that I've been looking for. I mean, we're talking about OS X, an operating system that. How old is it now? How old is OS X? Something like ten, twelve <laughs> years that still hasn't figured out how to properly manage Windows. Well, come on, that green button has changed function at least 10 times, right? Well, OS 10 is based on Next OS, which is which goes you back know, to the 90s. Yeah. With Next Step. Yeah, which yeah. there's still a GNU Open Steps floating around out there if you want an open source version of the no, Next Step. I, ju- I, just, I just want Apple to figure out what the hell to do with the green button and make it work like a min- uh, yeah. minimize, maximize. <laughs> I've been yeah. waiting over a decade for that. I just want them to do it. Next started in 85, was bought by Apple in 95. So Hey, have you heard this thing? I don't know if it's true. I, I mean, I know it's true, but I don't know if the reports of um, Steve Wozniak actually saying this are true. But I'm seeing coming through some of my news feeds that Woz is basically coming out and saying, hey, Steve Jobs had absolutely nothing to do with the design of the Apple One or Apple II. I mean, um, we, I can believe it. We knew that. There's nothing new, but the fact that Waz is saying that publicly, it's kind of like, why are you saying that? I don't know. Um, I, I I wasn't there, so I don't know. But uh, <laughs> well, it, I wasn't it's quite either. But possible. We, we generally know he wasn't involved in the design of the the, especially the electronic design of the first two. Well, Wozniak wrote like. The, the the stuff that that man wrote as far as like the code for the floppy drive and the, the micro code and the microcontroller it was really kind of crazy like he 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 is definitely a smart man can i tell you that i would be the most diehard apple fan if waz ran it instead of jobs it wouldn't have the flash and style that it does yeah not all engineers can can talk and interact with people and sell things or, or not all of us have the vision. Like I'm, I'm just being honest. Some, some do, some don't. Sometimes you need an idea person or, or someone to steer things or sell things. What about the vision? I'm just saying of, sometimes. What about the vision of Acer apparently designing a modular computer that's stackable like Legos? This eerily sounds like a Motorola prototype from last year, but um, it's, I don't know. Are we going to see this thing or what? Oh, uh, you! I saw that one, but I'm sure you heard about the water-cooled laptop. No, I haven't heard about this, and I want one. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't. I don't. I don't like water-cooling systems. All you nerds out there can yell at me for that. But I something you know. I don't. I'm okay, not comfortable so with Asus, having to Asus, coat my board. So Asus Rog, uh, Republic of Gamers, came out with a, uh, they announced their new generation of laptops, and I think it's just a prototype or a hint, but. Um, it's going to have like a big, big graphics card and, and uh, processor and tons of memory and stuff. But supposedly when you dock it with this water cooling power docking station thing, yeah. 
uh, you can overclock the processor and graphics card. Well, that, but only, you know, that actually makes a lot of sense. I won't but, pick on that. that. That makes a lot of sense. But only when it's docked with the water cooler. Well, come on. How often are you going to be hardcore gaming if you're not docked? Uh, I don't know. What, are you going to be sitting at Starbucks going, okay, i got to beat this last troll or orc or whatever? Hey, now, I've seen people bring PCs into Starbucks. That's Like desktops. I mean, uh, Like multiple okay. trips, bring their monitor, bring their... <laughs> <laughs> their tower, bring in their keyboard and mouse, hook it all up, and sit there taking up no, a whole yeah. table. No, I have seen someone bring in a 20, what is it, like a 21, 22-inch Apple monitor to connect to their, their uh, MacBook in there. That's that's the furthest I've seen. But but yeah, a whole desktop and monitor. Did they did they at least have a multiple uh, multiple monitor set up? No. I've also seen people take, bring in a 27-inch iMac and just set it there with a keyboard and mouse and oh. just start working. You know what? I pulled this up. If anybody wants to uh, see this laptop, just uh, Google ROG laptop water cooler. Uh, Chris, you just sent me a picture here in real time. And it doesn't look that weird. Uh, at least, it, okay, it looks weird, but it's not as bad as I thought it might be. If yeah, I were I mean, a gamer who used a laptop, I could see myself going for that. But I'm not a gamer and I don't use a laptop. Honestly, if I, I do not water cool my systems, if if I did, I would buy one pre-assembled, self-contained, because you mess up one thing, and yeah. your motherboard processor and memory are shot. Not to mention your graphics card. You know, I, I just don't want to risk it. Well, speaking of being shot, what do you think about Google's new typeface? Which let's not pretend that I'm the one who came up with that. You told me right before the show that that happened. I was oblivious to it. Um, what are your you, thoughts? Did, did you bing it? Yeah. No, I did bing it. I, yeah. How'd you know? I know. <laughs> wait, wait, Listen, wait. You binged Google? I defend my right to use but, Bing because I get rewards points. No, I get no, no, an no, equivalent no. of at least $50, dollars $70 worth a year, and it's great. But so, yes, That was not I, the question. Did you bing Google? No, I did not bing Google. I went to Google. <laughs> I, ac- I accidentally went to Google Scholar first, and they're still using the old logo, so it's not pervasive. It's not everywhere. There was actually uh, Instagram and Twitter accounts of Google employees showing their badges got redone, the outside of the building got redone, like Google Stadium got redone, the parking lot signs. So they went full sans serif. (laughs) But, you know, they should be sans serif because they're online. Yeah. Okay, so so, uh, what do you really do? I'm sure there's going to be a lot of backlash (sighs) against this, but what are your thoughts? I like it. When I first saw it, I didn't like it. Yeah. I, I I liked a little bit some of the styling of the original logo, but then I have to think back. I've been using Google since I switched from AltaVista. Like I've I've been using Google since it first kind of showed up on the scene, and it's been a long time. I've been staring at you know small incremental changes to the logo. So I, I'm this, sure this one will grow on me and be fine. It's very clean. Isn't this uh, just a part of the, uh, Google's design language that they use on Android? What is I forget what that's called. <laughs> so th- there's a lot of things going on with Google. But, no, but uh, they have that design language that they've been switching to slowly, multiple Go? year process. Are oh. you talking about Go? I don't know what it's called. I don't. Oh, oh wait, friend. you're talking about their uh, material design. Material design, yes, that. Okay, it, it's not a design language. It's more of a. A design philosophy. We're splitting hairs, and I don't have any to split. But isn't this part of that? Um, I think this is just. So they recently came out with Alphabet. They restructured their company so that Alphabet is 
the parent company of Google instead of Google being the parent company of everything. Yeah. So, um, but they did a restructure. They've kind of done some rebranding. I think this was just part of the rebranding efforts. Material design, though, I think is more of how their apps work in a mobile and web space. And I don't necessarily think that the logo is because of material design. I think it's more because of the rebranding of the company and the different projects and Nest and all that. Well, I like it. It reminds me of Play School. <laughs> it does remind me of Play School. Flat out. The first thing, and no joke, and I'm not even making this up. I know I'm, um, I know I'm prone to being sarcastic. The first thing I thought of when I saw this new Google logo was a little Play School flashlight I had as a kid that you could turn the color, you did a little rotation switch thing, and it'd go from a red light to a green light to a regular flashlight. And then that's the first thing that popped in my head when I saw this. So I'm not even kidding when I say Play School. And I just Googled the Play School logo, and it looks nothing like that. I have no, no idea why I thought of that when you said it. But I'm thinking of actual Play School products. Um, uh, I was thinking uh, maybe a, a product uh, like the alphabet blocks or something. A lot of you know what I'm talking about. Go to Bing, not Google. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Go to Google and uh, type in Play School Flashlight. I'm doing it on Bing. I see the exact one I had as a kid. It looks like they modernized it some. Okay, I a, see that. Yeah, that, I remember that one. Yeah, that yellow sucker. Um, that is the thing that popped in my head when I saw the logo, and I don't know why because the colors don't match the the logo has no color in it, just red and white. Yeah, it wasn't the logo. For some reason, that's what I thought of. Uh. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to be back in with our main segment for the day. We'll be talking about security. What a what a topic. We'll be back Don't in just... go online. Lock, lock your computers. Lock Unplug. your computers. Windows L. <laughs> Windows L key. We'll be right back. Chris, um, uh, we took a short break. Hopefully, yes, we'll give did. a longer break to those folks who are listening. We uh, had all of about five seconds in between here and these Shh. two segments. Don't show them behind the curtain. Don't man. show them behind the curtain. Uh, no. Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Oh, Ashley Madison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't help but to laugh. Okay, how many... Um, so we're just starting to release episodes as we record this. And so we don't really have listeners yet. At least I don't know. I haven't been checking the analytics in the past day and a half. Um, how many people who will eventually listen to our show are on Ashley Madison? You know, I don't know. I don't care. But wow, what a crazy situation going on over the past several weeks. Yeah. Uh, um, we've even had, uh, John McAfee weigh in on it, you know, who, was in Belize and had drug cases. How and is that I think guy not? A, how is that guy not in prison? 
he was under investigation for murder of his neighbor, and now he's back in the states and got arrested for like DUI or something. Yeah, I heard that. Some but he has opinions about what happened at Ashley Madison. He thinks it was an inside job by a female former employee. I guess that would make sense. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I haven't heard that, but plausible. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like an inside job, doesn't it? Well, um, there's a couple of reasons he was saying that, which was the language that the person used about like uh, scumbags and remembering Valentine's Day. And he was jokingly saying no guy could remember when Valentine's Day was. Oh, right. That's just sexist. I don't buy but, into that at all. I, I know. I agree. But uh, there were not. It wasn't just like CSV dumps or, or uh, it wasn't just like copies of some of the data in the databases. Like some of it was um, actual like database files like you might copy off of a server or how database that, dumps. How did that lead him? Could, oh, okay, that led him to inside job, but not to female right, 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 inside job, yeah. right? Yeah, well, forget, okay. for, forget that. <laughs> that. I was just bringing that up because he's That's throwing me through crazy. a loop here. Ignore him. That was just because he's crazy and has an opinion about it. It's like, how do you sex a computer file? But, uh, no, um, there, there was one release of 10 gigs, and then there was another release of 20 gigs, and it got up to about 97%, and the person sharing it stopped sharing. So hmm. the, the second archive was corrupted, which I, I don't know if you saw that. You know what? I have not taken the time to download these data sets. I Really, I don't know. Who does? I it, honestly don't care enough to do that. I just care enough to talk about it. Well, there's a couple of things going on with it. Well, one, uh, the guy who was sharing it the second day, the second dump, um, like he, he used a torrent client and left it open. And so someone was able to log in and figure out its IP and like start seeing the logs. So there was there's someone investigating who, who, did, who was sharing the dumps, which is right. why the the second dump is incomplete, but researchers were able to extract some files from that, including emails and tables of databases and stuff. And I saw one post by someone on Engadget about an initial analysis of the tables, and they saw what looked like just bots, just just tons of bots and not a lot of humans. And when they had like checked their mailboxes and when they were, were talking with people, um, I saw, a and so that led them to make the assumption that there were only like a couple thousand actual people, women, a couple thousand actual, actual women, actual women on, on on that, and everyone else was were men, just paying money. Yeah, they're calling them fembots, these fake profiles, right. and also so, a great term, Ashley's angels, is what I've been hearing. I, that is just so trite. Well, I saw a follow up article where he spoke with some other researchers, and what he was saying was. Looking at the emails, it seemed like the CEO was having staff make fake profiles, which were the angels. And then there was bots, which they called engagers, that would just spam men. And then they had to tweak the algorithm a little bit because it was speaking, uh, it was spamming men looking for other men with oh. female ads. Huh. <laughs> so they pretty much whoops stop spamming men looking for men and stop spamming <laughs> women looking for women or just women in general. And it really we're just spamming men looking for women and it would pick up one of the personas that were created by the employees. So the, the, the profiles were hosts and the little bots would go and inhabit a host and start spamming people. I, and I love that. They could, them. they could go into artificial intelligence pretty soon and create game bots and all of that. 
Uh, no, they were sent just send stuff like "Hi, oh. what are you doing well, here?" Like just terribly stupid, simple messages, just trying to hook people. That's smarter than some AI I've played against. You know, just but even acknowledge people, you're there. Well, they screwed up on a number of levels. One, they were charging people to delete their data, and there's bucks, like a little, right? there's a little flag on some of the tables. Like, yes, they paid to have it deleted, but all their data is still there. <laughs> Love it. Right, so they're yeah. being we're, sued. We're marking in the data set that you have paid us to delete it so that we're aware that you've paid us, which basically keeps all of your data in the data set. Yes. Love yeah, it. they didn't delete it, it looked like, from the dumps. Love so, it. Just deletes it off the site. Maybe, was it, maybe it was like a delete in quotation marks? Yeah, like a soft delete. So mm-hmm. they, they're being sued a couple times for that. They um, All the dumps, like the first dump and some of the second dumps, have been put up on a bunch of sites where you can like search for your email. Unfortunately, some of the people hosting those data sets and saying if you were hacked or not are like PIs or lawyers just trying to market to people to like mm-hmm. investigate their spouse or have a divorce. Yeah. So, so ha- haven't we resulted in a couple of suicides already? I don't know. I, 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 I want to say in Toronto. Really? Uh, let me find that really quickly. But it's uh, quite possible. I've heard there's a couple of suicides, and while you're checking that, um, according to the BBC at least, Ashley Madison is still growing. Yeah, uh, it does say that there was one in, uh, at least one by Chicago, or in Chicago. Or in Chicago. Or... Uh, I, I, I thought I heard about some in um, in Canadian jurisdiction. Um, but, but Ashley Madison itself is saying that hundreds of thousands of profiles have been created in the weeks since the breach, I'm, I'm sure that's... Of, of course bit. they have, because there were people that knew about the site, and there are people who didn't. And guess what? Now everybody knows about the site. Now everyone knows. Um, you know, and, and I hear I hear some of the people out there that are talking about this and saying, okay, well, maybe people haven't... Uh, and, and I've heard couples come out and do this, by the way. They've done this in the media. Come out and say, well, they had an open relationship, or they were dating, but they knew that this was going on. They considered, you know, their dating relationship or their marriage one thing, and that they were both, you know, use, using this site, and now it's ruined their professional careers, and yada, yada, yada. And then there's the public figures that are, you know, attending rallies about protecting marriage and the sanctity of marriage, who then have profiles on right. the Right, so we've got different, different types of users here, um, but still... Um, that's a big data breach. It's a huge data breach. And um, so most companies I work at, for instance, we have strict IT policies. Uh, there's VPNs. If you need to access, there's like, you usually have to register your machine. There's limited devices. You can't just come in with a password. You usually have to have a key fob. So some sort of uh, two-factor authentication. Something you know, which is your password, and something you have, which is... Uh, like one of those authenticators that, that the code changes or you try to log in and it texts your cell phone. So you ha- you have to have your cell phone with you. And- uh, yeah, two-step verification, right? Right. There's three-step, but not a lot of people go that far where it's a biometric thing where, you know, your eye or your finger. Well, I kind of think if you're doing something, let's say, illegal or hidden with finances or cheating on your spouse, you might as well go three-step encryption. Might but, as well. But the simple fact is it doesn't sound like either they missed it in their network scans they, they they didn't look at it was either an internal issue or if it was done over the internet where someone hacked them and pulled the data they didn't notice 10 or 20 gigs getting uploaded somewhere which yeah, that's a little odd don't you think 
it, it should be yes it, if you have proper monitoring and you're looking at bandwidth and traffic and where things are going and you know who's hitting your site yeah you should be able to see those things but would that be in the same log if that were pulled directly from the servers on the inside the well that's the other issue um and usually a lot of people don't monitor their internal internal network as much so if it was an inside job which you know they they had to hit the mail server to be able to pull some of those mailboxes and and they had documents that definitely looked like they came from the inside so they either infected an internal machine or they were probably an internal employee um and you can if you just let people have running your network that's one thing if you break them into groups and you're like hey you're authorized to get to this you're authorized to get to that yeah, most people shouldn't be able to get to a mail server unless they were an admin of some kind. Right. Uh, yeah, you would think even if you get into the databases, it's still you're you're not into the email server. Right. I mean, the the problem is if they're an admin or if they have physical access. Yeah. And, and I would imagine at most mid-sized to large companies, we're talking that if you get admin rights on, you're going to be higher up in the organization to have admin rights to multiple types of servers, right? Wouldn't that be the norm that you would experience with, with uh, clients? Well, in, in smaller ones, yes. When you start getting the medium, a lot of things are siloed. Well, that's so what I mean. Yeah. that. Uh, so if I'm working on email servers, I would have admin rights there, but I wouldn't just, have admin over database. Right. You, you would have access to the servers, and then you would probably have administrative rights to the mail software running on the server um, on a different spot there's probably you wouldn't have access to the database servers or you wouldn't even have access to the database software to connect to it right or managing users or the file system it, it should be tiered and split up um, only give people the access they need to have what do what do IT managers for websites uh, and and applications really need to take away from this is there something that we can learn from this or is this just kind of one of those whoops it happened again type of deals well you should definitely use role-based authentication so which is it, People should be split into the roles, you know, only the rights needed to execute that role should be given. Right. So if if you're going to be, you know, authoring documents and saving to the file system, you don't need access to anything else. You can create a single share where you can drop files in and you can write to that. That doesn't mean you can write and delete everything out there on the network, but you can go to this one little spot where right. you can put files in. Um, if you're a database admin... Usually they're higher up in the company, but you can roll it into, you know, use role-based authentication where they can access only the servers related to the database and probably only the the files, you know, for the backups for, for, for the database itself. And they don't have access to go and create new accounts. Oh, I just created a secret admin account off to the side, which I can come back and use later. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Regular yeah. audits of their security. Regular audits of the security log. Failed uh, login attempts. Um are you logging in from weird IPs? Are we getting weird requests? Looking at network traffic? Because ultimately, security is a uh, it's a proactive sport, but it's also reactive, right? There is no there's no true. I always get in trouble when I say this, but there's no true security, right? I, I you know I can call your administrative assistant and and sweet talk the password out of him or her. Um, just social as easy. engineering, yeah, social engineering side of things, just as easy or actually easier than I can actually truly break into your system. So, you know, we just need to be proactive and reactive, or or, or, or at least responding 
it's a full-time job. There, there definitely needs to probably be someone just looking at security issues constantly. There's OWASP, which is an open uh, web application uh, security uh, project. There are, you know, port scanners and network scanners that you can use. Everything should have antivirus. You should, like I said, security audits, bandwidth monitoring. Um, but it's a cold war. You know, people build better detection. Other people are going to write tools to try to bypass it. It, it. One side escalates, the other side will retaliate some way, and it, it just keeps going to go back and forth. Yep. Let's move um, sort of from, uh, unless there's anything else you want to conclude about Ashley Madison, but start moving on to uh, our, our next topic, which is Windows 10. Windows 10 is a little different as far as security into the realm of privacy. Because right, we're hearing a lot of um, fluff, if you will, in the media, right? Well, w- yeah. Within the first couple of days of it being released, there was an app added to the store that was going to change settings for you to reduce sharing. There was concern over the the, the Wi-Fi uh sharing feature which Wi-Fi sense yeah which is Wi-Fi sense completely overstated I'm very opinionated about that being a Windows phone user I've been using it for what at least a year and uh, boy do people have it wrong I mean it sends encrypted hashes over right exactly so let's yeah let's let's talk about it from the beginning in case someone's not familiar so one one thing you're hearing about Windows 10 security um, what are we a month or so after launch here um we're hearing about Wi-Fi sense and people saying, okay, well, now I can share my Wi-Fi connections with friends. Well, people are freaking out and saying, oh, man, it's giving it's giving all my friends access to my Wi-Fi network and it's putting my password out there. But what really happens is Windows is saying, okay, I know who you are because of your uh, Microsoft account. What are they calling that thing, an MSA now or something like that? Um, we know who you are because of your account. And you have access to certain... Wi-Fi hotspots. Maybe they're at your home. Maybe they're shared ones at the you know local fast food place that has a password. And as long as Windows sees that through Facebook, uh, Skype, Outlook.com, or your phone or your uh, computer contacts, as long as you're connected to this other person, Windows will take and encrypt that password, upload it to the server, encrypted. So your password's not leaving your computer, just the encrypted hash or the encrypted form. They will then send that encrypted form to the guest, the person who's connected to you, so that they, boom, automatically get access to a Wi-Fi network that you have. You can turn it off and on, uh, as I understand, per Wi-Fi network, and you can turn it off completely, but you can't, here's the big problem people have, is you can't say, okay, I'm going to give access to these 10 people and no one else. But other than that, 
no security violation on a network. You could just say, nope, this is my personal network. Don't share it. I think the concerns are, one, when you if you upgrade your machine, I don't believe you get a choice on the existing networks. It just sets them all to sharing. So there were some people that were concerned right. about that. If you choose your Express settings or you turn it on during Windows 10 installation, you right. will have to go back and, and opt out because, again, you're, you're essentially saying, yes, turn this on for everything I have. Uh, two... Um, even though they're not sending the password, which I don't think many people actually understand, it's sending an encrypted hash. So I think the concern is that you know if someone was able to intercept that, they could eventually uh, crack it. Well, I don't know how they're encrypting it, but to, let's go to the web world for a moment. I'm sure somebody out there is going to laugh at me when I say this and say, oh, how easy it is. But for me, I don't know. I do an MD5 hash in a database for a password, and I think that's pretty damn hard to crack. Um. You do, and and that that's right. You you do. Uh, unfortunately, um, over time, people have realized that. Well, there's such a thing as a speed space trade-off. So people have for a long time tried to work on the speed thing because disk space was expensive when a lot of these algorithms first came out. So they had to sit there and just brute force things and it would take forever. Right. So what has changed, uh, you know, many years ago actually, was rainbow tables. People went through and encrypted every word they could find and variations of it, letters, numbers, all that stuff. They've encrypted a whole bunch of things and they've stored it in these rainbow tables. So there's huge databases of hashes of encrypted passwords. And so they just try to look for the match, and then, boom, they've got it. So there's tons and tons of space dedicated to, like, every possible password that they can think of. Ah. So some algorithms, they can just drop it in and do it. Another thing is hackers, when they, 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 they have bots constantly scanning, like, source code, like uh, CodePlex right. and GitHub and those type of things, looking for someone who accidentally checks in, like, an Amazon uh, EC key or an Azure key or, you know, any information like that in their source code. And they automatically spins up bots that are either like mining bitcoins or running processes to crack passwords. But I mean, you're, you're going to have <laughs> to be on the same network as these people or somewhere between the connection between there and Microsoft's cloud servers and intercepting yeah. this traffic and looking for one needle in a haystack. Right. I, I get it that it is. All right. There is a weak and point. And that's why in any security, security is an illusion for the most part. What security is, is a road bump. Right. But, it, it's but a this speed is, bump. Is this yeah. not the best type of road bump you could create and still offer this functionality? I think it is. Now, does Wi-Fi Sense only work Bluetooth? I haven't had a lot of use. I mean, I've upgraded some devices to Windows 10, but they're my my devices. Um, and there are, I, I set them up on my network, so I'm I haven't sure had... I under, I'm not sure I understand completely, but no, Wi-Fi Sense has absolutely nothing to do with Bluetooth at all. Well, what I'm saying is... If I go to your house and you want to share your network with me, is it sent from your device to my device Bluetooth or your device to my device over the Internet? That I don't know. Um, and, that, and that's where the rub is. I'm thinking it's, it's Internet. I'm thinking because, then, of, because of how it's Microsoft servers that are getting the, the encryption hash. Right. And, and that's where the rub is. I mean, HTTPS and a lot of other web traffic is encrypted. But a lot of times people can, if they can intercept traffic and take the time, they can crack it. That's it's a lot usually, of work to get onto my home Wi-Fi. Yeah. Like I said, it's probably <laughs> fine. It, 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 most likely it's 
probably fine. But yeah, uh, the 99.999995 percent probably fine, or something ridiculous like that. The other concern people have now is Cortana. You know, they've added the voice assistant to Windows, yep. and if you turn on the option so that it's always listening, guess what? It's always listening. Here's what I'm going to tell people for that. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to tell people. So, um, first of all, most hardware that's out there um, isn't configured for that. We we kind of need new hardware for that uh, in most people's computers. But it, the stuff is out there where you can do it. So, if you have a concern about Cortana, all right, see that little Windows button on the lower left of your screen in the taskbar? Click it. Click Settings. And you see that icon with the lock that says Privacy? Just, there you go. Done. What, what is it you want to turn on or off? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I know that Cortana is collecting information, but Cortana shows you in her notebook everything she's remembering about you. And you can turn it all on or off. And you can even turn the entire thing on and off. I just, maybe it's me being way too lax, but I don't understand what the the deal is. A personal digital assistant needs information in order to give you traffic updates timelines for something whether there's things that your assistant needs to know that'd this be like hiring same. somebody and saying but i can't tell you what business we work for this is the same product as google now they, they do the same function for right. the most part um if you give it access to your device your your mail and your location it'll start going oh are you going to work it looks like you're going to work. Do you want? There's traffic there, or oh, you got a shipping notification. Do you want me to track your package? Um, what Cortana also brings to the table is Microsoft just had their big developer conference. They have rebranded a lot of their business intelligence stuff, their high-level enterprise products that look at data and analyze it and do predictions. So businesses put in their you know all their data and their models and they can predict like hey what's our outcome for the year or what is our revenue going to be in 6 months or what's our manufacturing output going to be right they've the rebranded that analytics. as cortana um like insights like it, it it's they're bringing that cortana brand well yeah up. she's she's meant to be right. predictive and prescriptive analytics with potentially machine learning or cognitive analytics built in Right, so that is what you're getting when they put it on your desktop and it can help you with searching and all these other little things. Um, but yeah, if you don't want it, turn it off. But Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. And I see so many people saying, well, don't upgrade to Windows 10 because of Cortana and because of blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I don't mean to be insensitive, but I really just, I have to tune it out and plug my ears and go la, 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 la because it just sounds ridiculous to me when most of these same people are using an Android phone with Gmail, and it's kind of like, and, and you think the same thing isn't happening there, and that Apple isn't doing the same thing for iPhone users with, with Siri to some extent? Well, Siri hasn't had a lot of the predictive stuff. No, but, but don't but forget, don't forget, folks, that Siri is run by Microsoft servers, so all of that information is going to Microsoft anyway that you're putting into your Apple phone. They're adding it in iOS 9. iOS 9 is supposed to have... Google Now and Cortana features for Siri. And my understanding is that Apple's new data centers are not to the point to where they can handle all the Siri traffic. Maybe they are, but most of that's still being handled by Microsoft's Azure cloud. I don't know. I'm sure that the people who don't want to use Siri are the same people that don't want to use Cortana and the same people that don't want to use Google Now. Possibly, but but they're they're limiting in them uh, they're limiting themselves out of operating systems, and they're going to have to go to Ubuntu pretty soon. 
or they're just going to try turning off that feature. <laughs> you know, and, and that's that's the point. Just turn <laughs> turn off the feature and be done with it. Now, I do get a little bit more of people's intense uh, nature about having an advertising ID uh, built into the operating system that tracks you for advertising purposes. But here's the thing. Remember, this is multi-new media. If you are in media, traditional or new, and you are having a problem with a, a, a some type of product that's ena- that enables us to target advertisements, you're fiscally shooting yourself in the foot. So why do we want an advertising ID? Look at Amazon. You're browsing around. Oh, you looked at this before. Would you like it at a discount? Oh, you're looking at this. Other people that looked at this also bought this other thing. I, and one of the things I do at my company is I've actually started um, learning a new CMS. And our CMS has uh, – it, it tracks sessions. It has session tracking built in. So it doesn't have any personal personal identifiable information. Mm-hmm. doesn't know names or IDs or, or IP addresses or addresses, anything like that. It, it just – tracks this like encrypted session information yep. uh, session ID and it's like oh like you're looking around the site and oh you're looking at trips okay cool oh you're looking at trips to Europe cool so if you come back to the site some of the little news items might be more related to European trips just so that the customer is engaged more and has a better chance of doing a purchase and interacting with the company. Well, let's be clear about it because not only the CMS you're using, but Amazon does that. Netflix yes. does that. Yes. Go- Google does that. Think about the Google ads you see. You search for something and then later you see an ad for it, you know, 20 different pages away. And h- how do you think that's working, right? The number of web pages that you go to that have uh, tracking code in the background or even those clear pixels, the one by one transparent pixel that's tracking you. Uh, cross-site so that you're being sent to somebody else's server so they can continue to track you for your ad. I mean, people don't even know this is happening, but then when they hear the term advertising ID, which is saying, okay, Windows is getting up to date. It's coming up to the times we can do all of these things. We can make sure that if you're a consumer, you don't get blind, untargeted advertising that has nothing to do with you. We can make sure that where you are going to be advertised to, which is only within certain applications and on the web, that you can get stuff that's at least interesting or potentially beneficial to you. But again, from the business side of it, if we're in media any way, form, or fashion, and you're against this targeting, I mean, you might as well just say, hey, let's increase our marketing budget and get less out of it because that's what you're asking for. Let's just paint the town with posters and hope something sticks. Well, remember, Apple introduced iAds into iOS back in version 4. Four, I think maybe version five and, and Android an adver- yeah Android's had a tracking ID for almost its entire existence I think right they I mean they built an ad engine into the operating system of iPhones and iPads like back in iOS 4 and we're on 8 now uh, Android has it I think some of the concern might be hey I can open a new tab or a privacy tab and I can browse somewhere and no one can track me but if I take my laptop now somewhere else there's a tracking ID in the operating system, and they can track me even if I move hotspots or even if I open new tabs. Right. But that that's not being sent to the web in requests. Well, like I believe that's being used mainly for like Windows universal applications or the yeah. Windows Store. This is being not, used for universal apps, Bing, Cortana, things like that. Right. 
And it's not even that Cortana is serving you ads. It's context-relevant information. Now, Bing is going to serve you ads, of course, when you're in the browser and using Bing. Um, uh, but, I mean, we're, we're just catching up with the times. And, and there are a lot of people who say, well, I'm going to stick with Windows 7 because of this. Well, don't get too comfortable, right? Microsoft has started sending out updates that is starting to collect some of this information. Not all, but some on Windows 7 and Windows 8. It's just what it takes in order for a technology company that provides an operating system, whether it's Microsoft, Apple, Google, it doesn't matter. This is the type of information it takes to provide the services that we expect them to provide. The thing is, what we're looking for is exactly what Microsoft is doing. We don't want them to be like Apple and hide this stuff. We want it to be exactly what Microsoft is doing and Google to a slightly lesser extent and have an off and on button for every single one of these things. Granted, for the average user who just says, okay, custom express install, they're never going to look at settings in the first place, right? So they don't know these toggle switches are here, and hopefully that's what we can help communicate to people. Because Microsoft, Apple, and Google, yes, they want your personal information, but they, they're not interested in tying it to you specifically to blackmail you like the folks with Ashley Madison are. Right? They're looking to provide you with better services. And I, I think that's something that just a lot of people miss, even those of us in the industries that we, we serve of technology and marketing. Uh, you know, a recommendation engine just can't work without this type of tracking stuff. I was looking up end-of-life support since you were talking about people going back. Um, End-of-mainstream support for Windows 7 was January 2015. The, there's extended support through 2020, though. Right. Yeah, I mean, the idea was get you to Windows 8 and then to 10, but, you know, there it wasn't really seriously trying to move you through that progression. Microsoft, as they very well have publicly said, they're perfectly fine with that transition from 7 to 10. They just want to make sure that people aren't skipping versions in the future, and how they're doing that is by making this, quote-unquote, the last version of Windows. I mean, it's kind of Apple's strategy there, OS X. Okay, how long have we been on OS 10? Right, that X stands for 10. We all know that. We've been there forever, and we've had how many updates to it. That's exactly what Microsoft is going to do here. Um, just typically two times a year and, and probably not as large of updates each time. Well, I think that they're moving also to a service architecture. So, oh, of course. Um, and, and publicly you're going to see lots of smaller components being updated over time instead of waiting to roll yeah. everything into and, one huge and thing. Generally two times a year. So this year we've already, after the release of Windows 10, we've already had the first one called Threshold 1. We're mm -hmm. getting Threshold 2 in October. Next year, I think they named them after Minecraft. They're called Redstone or something like that. Uh, but generally every six months, these minor iterative updates. And, you know, I mean, listen, I know that a lot of these tech companies have an image of being nefarious, but... They're probably not as concerned about your personal life as you think they may be. They really just want to provide good recommendation engines, good targeted advertisements so that they can make money and allow other people to make money. And by the way, hopefully not annoy you and your consumer with ads that have nothing to do with that person's life. Some good stats here, though. I found this one interesting. Steam, uh, the video game platform, is saying that 20%, almost 20%, not quite, about 17-some, uh, almost 20% of all Steam users are using Windows 10 now. Well, I know I am account for two of those machines, maybe three. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the thing. You would think that a lot of gamers would hold off and wait to make sure every all the games are compatible and they're not, they're not going to have any issues with um, 
with software compatibility, but no, it looks like uh, one of the, the furthest in groups with Windows 10, despite uh, some of the concerns about, um, supposed concerns at least, about privacy. Well, the reason I'm going to bet some people are pushing Windows 10 as gamers is DirectX 12. Uh, DirectX 12 is coming. There's not support for it. You know, there's there's no actual games released for it yet, but um, the latest iteration of their graphics library and their, you know, framework is in Windows 10. Yeah, and that's going to cut power use by, what, 50% over 11? Um, I believe like so. And then the other thing is they added a, um, like, an overlay. You hit Windows G when you're gaming, mm-hmm. and you can re- record your game. Well, to conclude this episode... Uh, this segment and this episode, I'm going to just kind of give a reminder to folks to say, see, this is what happens when we sit down to talk about security. It's important. Don't get us wrong. It is very important, and we don't take it lightly. However, at the end of the day, we do have to realize that security is a proactive sport, and you need to be on top of it. There are things you know you need to do, and you just have to do them. Overblowing minor issues such as an encrypted hash coming back and forth over the Internet is, quite frankly, wasting your time. Are there going to be security breaches that happen around these types of technologies? Unfortunately, yes. What's the best thing we can do? Use them sensibly. Don't share passwords with people to sensitive networks. Don't use overuse a feature that doesn't need to be in use. And unless you're just playing with your home computer, really look into your settings and see what's turned on and what's turned off. As we can learn from the Ashley Madison situation... It's even more important when we're in the business environment to make sure our security settings are right. But as you can kind of tell, we've trailed off into talking about gaming. And I think that's going to be a perfect thing to do. And now, instead of dealing with security, let's sign off of here and uh, let's do some gaming. How's that sound? That's my plan. All right. So everybody take care of your servers, take care of your security, take care of your data. But again, remember, the best way to be uh, safe is to be proactive with what you're doing. Take care, everyone. Well, that's all we've got, at least for now. Thank you so much for spending your valuable time listening to Multinew Media. I'd like to invite you to swing on by at multinewmedia.com at any time to get caught up with episodes you may have missed, to watch new video content, or to read tech and media-related posts. Uh, And, of course, all of the other fun stuff we can cram into our simple and humble website. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.